Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. So when you hear that music, doesn't it remind you like Monday night football? I mean, back, back in the day. And now it probably reminds the younger generation it's a fantasy draft's about to start, but that's, that's what that music is. And, and this time of year, I mean, I, I love it. I love it, not only for the football, but for the weather. I mean, Colorado in September is just awesome, and there's just something about it. But I do love the football season and the fact that it starts. And, and I just, I mean, I, I, get, I go to a football game, and I, I smell the cut grass, you know, and then I hear the band play with the drum cadences, you know, that they do. And, and oh, man, it's, it's like just brings back all these memories because I, I remember that's what they would do. The band would come in while we were warming up and getting ready and, and they, would, they would be playing on the drums. And then they, they'd get you pumped up and you just smell that grass and, oh, you just, just wanted to hit somebody so bad. And last year, I went to the Fruit at Junction game, and I actually tackled my wife in the parking lot. It just, something came over me just because I was just ready to hit somebody. And it's funny because if you played a team sport or you're any type of, in any type of team activity, you know, you always have great stories and, and great memories from those times. I mean, normally we do. And if you get a little older, you start going to class reunions and you start seeing some of the teammates that you used to have and you used to play with and, and you start telling the stories that, that you had together. Because, man, when you, when you play team sports, you, you go to war with be, these people. I mean, you, you, you are out there and you're trying to win. You have a common goal and it's just, it's just awesome. And there's this one story that every reunion gets told about me because I absolutely blew it in, in a football practice one time. And what happened was, so I was a sophomore in high school. I was the JV quarterback. And uh, the way the practices worked is that, that uh, the, when varsity offense was playing, then the JV offense would go to the other field and, and we would practice. And so uh, I, I was playing quarterback and we had this two-minute offense that we would go into, which a two-minute offense is just a, a, an offense where you don't huddle and call a play. You call the play from the line of scrimmage and then you, know, you run as many plays as you can to try to score because obviously you're running out of time. So this particular play, what it was, is you would come to the line, and the play I called had three receivers on one side or the other, and they all ran different lengths of post routes. Now, if you don't know anything about football, you're like, would you please speak English? But for those of you that do play football or have played football, you understand that a post route is kind of a crossing route where you go out so many yards and then you cut towards the goalpost. So see there, you just learned something. You can impress, impress your husband or your boyfriend or whatever that you know what a post route is. So on this particular play, these guys would run three different post routes, a three, a five, and a seven-yard post route across the middle of the field. So I called the play. Uh, I took the snap. And, and when I was taking the snap, I noticed that the coach, our coach, was standing right in the middle 
of the field facing the offensive line. So he was, he was facing me. And this guy, you got to understand, he was a monster. He was just a gorilla. He played college ball and he was just huge and he was intimidating and everybody wanted to impress him because they respected him just so much. He was just, just this great guy, this great leader. And so he's standing right in the middle of the field like this, just watching, watching the play develop. And so when I took the snap, I, 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 I took my drop back and I threw, and I'm not, I'm not kidding you, like it was the most beautiful spiral pass, just tight spiral, really, really hard. And my receiver was getting ready to catch it, but instead of catching it, it drills my coach right in the head. <laughs> just smoked him. And everybody just like got silent. Like, oh no, let's get What's going to happen? And he yells, he goes, run it again. And so everybody's like going back to the huddle and they're looking at me going, your dad, your dad. It's got off the field. Hurry, we'll cover for you. And so, so I'm like, okay, I got to run, run this play again. And so, so I get, the, get under the center. I take the snap. I go back and I throw it. And this time, I mean, I don't even come close to the receiver. I am so rattled. I throw up a duck. And so when that happens and I'm thinking, oh no, what's going to happen now? And he starts screaming. He goes, get out of my face. I don't even want to see you. So the whole team is like, oh, okay. So we just kind of go back to where varsity was practicing and, and they were finishing up. And at the end of the, every practice, you know, we bring the players together and the coach would address us. And so he's talking about, oh yeah, we've got this game coming up and, you know, make sure you're working hard and all this kind of stuff. And then we would, we would break out and we would do conditioning. But, but at the end of that little meeting, team meeting, the, 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 uh, the head coach would always say, coaches, you got anything? You coaches got anything? You need, you need to say anything? And this coach goes, yeah, I got something to say. And he goes, all right, go ahead. He goes, Roseberry. And I was like, seriously, I was under like four players trying to just hide Roseberry, where are you at? And I was like, I'm over here, coach. Go stand up. So I stood up. He looked at one of the managers. He says, throw me a ball. So the manager throws him a ball. He looks at me. He's about 10 yards away. He says, take your helmet off. <laughs> so <laughs> I, take, I take my helmet off. He goes, put your arms behind your back. So I put my arms behind my back. And he's right there. And now the whole team is just like freaking out. Varsity doesn't even know what's going on. They're like, this guy's lost his mind. And I'm sitting there and he's just tapping the football. And he, and he comes back and he just drops it and walks off. <laughs> now I peed in my pants just a little bit. <laughs> not enough to where I couldn't run conditioning. But that day I was not the MVP. I had blown it and I had blown it big time. And I think there's times in our life where we all go through that, like where we just blow it so bad. And thank God, 30 years later, I can laugh about it. I was just able to laugh about it this year, 30 years later. But we all will mess up and have those times in our life where we're just, we're not the most valuable player. We're not even an ideal team player. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at attributes that every team player needs to have. And if you want to be an MVP, regardless of whether or not that is in your family or at the workplace or in school, there are three characteristics that you have to have. Now, some people think, well, those characteristics are going to be dictated by your personality. We very much understand personality profiles here at Fellowship, and we teach them. We understand that God made us a certain way. He either made you to be an extrovert or he made you to be an introvert. Every personality type's got strengths. Every personality 
personality types got weaknesses. But these three attributes have got to be in our life if we're going to do life successful and if we're going to do life for the Lord. Now, the Lord says in Scripture that we're supposed to do all things with excellence. We're supposed to do all things as if we're doing it for the Lord. So if that's the case, we need to have these three characteristics in our life. So what I want you to do, if you have something to take uh, notes with, I want you to write down this little symbol here. Uh, three circles, they're interlaced there, and we're going to be filling in each one of those little zones with something so you could kind of make room on your notes. Feel free to take a picture if you want. I know a lot of people don't do notes anymore. They just take a picture of the side screen. That's absolutely fine. But the three characteristics that we're going to look at this morning, the first of which, if we're going to be the ideal team player, if we're going to be that MVP, we have to be humble. We have to have humility. Nobody wants an arrogant, prideful person on their team. You will see professional athletes that are extremely talented, that are awesome at what they do, but because they don't have humility, they'll get cut. They'll get traded. Talent does not equal character, right? If you got both, that's awesome. But unfortunately, in today's society, people get all this talent, their character doesn't develop with it, and they don't have any humility. So they get very prideful. They get very arrogant. The second thing that we have to have is we have to have relational intelligence. Now, relational intelligence is all about how you communicate, how you treat people, how people perceive you, how people uh, relate to you. It's, it's all about, what, you know, do, do people like you? And I'm not talking about a person that just goes around once, does things so that people will like them. But you will either be a magnet to people or you will be a repellent to people. And relational intelligence has everything to do with that. The next thing that we have to have, the next characteristic, is we have to have passion and hunger for what we do. So whether we're in school or we're at work, we're doing our job, we're trying to be, you know, the ultimate family team player, we need passion for that. One of the things that we learned uh, as Rebecca and I were growing up as young marrieds and, and being parents is did this incredible uh, series where it talked about building a team dynamic among your family. How you, how you create that, man, for us, Team Roseberry was the best family to be a part. And we vacation together. We have fun together. We talk to one another. We're tight. We have this great unit. And so that's the case when, with anything. But, but this case, really, with, with our family, we, we should hunger or have passion to see our family as, as a successful team. So those are the three characteristics. It does not matter if you're a choleric, a phlegmatic, a sanguine, or a melancholy. It does not matter if you're an extreme extrovert or you're an extreme introvert. Those are the three attributes that you must have. Now, Christ patterned these attributes beautifully. He showed humility beautifully. I mean, just by him coming to earth, from being God to being a human is a, is a show of humility. We see in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, the Bible says, your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. He was the picture of humility. The God, the creator of the universe, yet he came to die for us. That, that is the picture of humility. 
Now, for us, we've got to assess, how are we doing in that world? Are we humble or are we cocky? Because nobody wants to be around a cocky person. Nobody wants to hang out with a prideful person. Nobody wants to work with a prideful person. Now, the first step in helping yourself with this is admitting, hey, I struggle with pride. Now, hopefully you're self-aware enough that you know if you do or you don't. But it's always a good idea on a daily basis to get up and in your quiet time, if you're time with God, your coffee with God, the time where you're praying, you're worshiping him, that act alone is a show, you're showing humility. You're showing God, I can't do this day without you. I need you. And every day I get up, one of the things I pray is, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bind the spirit of pride in my life and loose the spirit of humility in me. So you bind the bad thing and then you loose humility. And I always say this, don't pray that God will humble you because he will, okay? You don't want that. Just ask the Holy Spirit to give you humility and and, and fight it that way because there are personality types that will tend to struggle with pride a little bit more. But if, and if that's you, you can fight that with the spirit. You can just say, God, bind the spirit of pride, loose loose your spirit of humility within me. So Christ showed humility. He also showed this incredible amount of relational intelligence. He always knew who his audience was. When he spoke to the Pharisees, he spoke to them firmly He spoke to them in truth, but he was stern because he knew he had to be. When he spoke uh, to those that needed to be healed, he spoke with compassion and encouragement. Uh, When he spoke to his family, he spoke to them with respect. Uh, When he spoke to his disciples, he spoke to them as if he was a coach, their teacher, their leader. Now, I don't know if you know if you have relational intelligence or not. Once again, there's this quote, there's this, there's this term out there that's becoming really popular right now is, is self-awareness. Are you self-aware enough to know if you have relational intelligence? Most of us are not. <laughs> Most of us stink at this. So we have to ask ourselves some questions. Number one, do people tend to run from you when you come up and talk to them? Do they, are they looking for an escape? Okay. Or are they drawn to you in conversation? So if they're looking for an escape, if they're looking for a way to get away from you, then most likely your relational intelligence needs a little help. If when you're talking to somebody, their eyes glaze over. They roll back in their head. You know you've lost him. You know that, hey, maybe I'm talking too much. Maybe I am talking like, I, I, it, was, it was funny. I, was, I remember this so specifically. I was in sixth grade, and my friends didn't want to hang out with me anymore. I was like, what's, what's going on? And so I went to them. I'm like, hey, well, what's going on? You don't want to play after school? We're not playing football anymore? And, and, and this kid goes, well, you know, uh, gave me a few excuses. And I said, dude, just tell me, you know, tell me the truth. What's going on? He goes, honestly? I go, yeah. He goes, um, you're kind of a know-it-all, and you always have to be right. And he was right. And, and I go, you know, what my first reaction was, was I was like, but I am right. I'm always right. And he's like, yeah, you are right a lot of the times, but um, nobody likes that about you. Oh, 
So at sixth grade, I got one of the best lessons of my life. And it doesn't mean that I have not struggled with that the rest of my life. But one of the most valuable people that you can have in your life is somebody that will tell you the truth. Somebody just will just, hey, be frank with me. What am I doing wrong? Ask yourself the question, do I have a hard time making friends? Do I have a hard time keeping relationships of the same sex? Like, guys, do you struggle with having guy friends? Girls, do you struggle with having girlfriends? And are your relationships long-lasting, or do they seem to be short? If those things are happening in your life, those are some, some, some symptoms that you may need some help with relational intelligence. And if somebody will just be honest with you and tell you, because a lot of times this is how we come off. A lot of times it's just our attitude and the way we talk to people that turns people off. And if we can have somebody go, oh, hey, I, I have people in my life that have come to me and said, hey, will you help me with something? My relational intelligence level is, is not where it needs to be. And I know you've talked to me about this in the past. Will you start signaling me when I do that thing that drives everybody nuts? Just give me a signal. Pull on your ear, pick your nose, do whatever, whatever, whatever you need to do to get my attention, to get me to stop. Those are the things we got to get, we have to get into good habits when it comes to our relationships and our relational skills if we want to be that most valuable player to our organization, to our families, to our schools. And Christ was the best at it. He stepped into situations. He always made things better. That's what you want people to say about you. I love having you around because you make our conversations better. You're, you, you, make this, you make this situation more fun. When you come into this situation, you bring peace. You bring comfort. Those, those are the kind of things that you want to hear on your relational intelligence. So we, we know Jesus was that. We also know that Jesus had a great hunger and passion. He gave his life for that passion. And as he was giving his life, he said in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. As he was hanging on the cross, being murdered, he was forgiving or asking God to forgive those that were killing him. That's the kind of passion he had for us. That's the kind of passion that he had for what he did. Now, passion can come and go, right? It does. Passion can come and go for our work. Passion can come and go, you know, in our relationships, in our, in our marriages. And, and when that happens, we've got to ask the God of passion to reinvigorate us to spark that passion again. You may, especially if you've been in the job, the same job for a long time, that's a great thing. That's a great thing to, to aspire towards. But what can happen after a period of time is you can lose your passion for what you do. It gets old, it gets tiring. It's just like the same old thing all the time. And so you just don't really like what you do anymore. So you gotta ask God to reignite that passion or ask God to move you. Do a different job. Go to work somewhere else. He might have a new plan for you. That's why you may not have passion for what you do anymore. But a lot of times, you are supposed to stay right where you are. You're just supposed to ask God to reinvigorate your, your, your view of what you do. Now, with those three things, we have to understand we need all of them. Not just one, not just two. Because if you just have one or you just have a blend of two you're gonna have some negative characteristics. First of all, if you're only humble, Patrick Lencioni says in his book, The Ideal Team Player, that you're a pawn. You're just a pawn. Well, a pawn is, you know, somewhat 
of a figure on a chessboard, but a pawn on a chessboard is usually there to sacrifice to further the game. And what he says is, as a pawn, you, you know, you're a sweet person, you're humble, but you don't add very much to the team. And nobody just wants to be a pawn. We want, we want to be effective in everything we do. Uh, the pawn um, won't, usually won't last long in an organization because their value is just minimal. Then there's those that are just relationally intelligent. Those are the charmers, okay? They're the charmers. They're the, they just charm people. They want everybody to like them. And, and they get by on their personality and usually manipulation. And then there are those that are just hungry or passionate. Those people are the bulldozer, okay? <laughs> they just bulldoze through. They, they get a project, they get a goal, and they go for it with everything they have. They don't care what wake of destruction they cause in people's lives as long as they get to the finish line. The bulldozer will use people to get what they want, but then basically not build relationships as they travel. And so nobody's left at the end of the goal. So none of us just want to be one of those things. But what if we're a couple of them? Now know this, that as you go through life, you will kind of flow between those things. There's maybe times where you, in your life that you'll be a bulldozer, maybe just humble, maybe just relationally intelligent. For me, early on in ministry, I was a bulldozer. Bulldozer. Just get it done. I don't care what the cost is. The end justifies the means. That's what we got to do. But as time goes on, I begin to develop some blends. So what if you're humble and relationally intelligent? You're known as the lovable slacker. <laughs> now, every time I say this when I'm teaching it, everybody's mind goes to the lovable slacker they know in their life, right? The lovable slacker that you work with. Lovable slackers are great to hang out with. Uh, they they, they are, are ones you don't want to confront, right? Because they're so sweet. But they usually get into trouble for, for procrastinating too much or doing projects halfway. So you give the lovable slacker a project, he's not going to finish it. If he does or she does, it's not going to be done right. The next blend is a relational intelligent person that's also hungry. They're known as the skillful politician. Okay, the skillful politician is a person that's very goal-oriented, but they'll use pressure and manipulation to get the job done. They have shallow relationships that don't last long because they eventually make people feel used. So that's another blend. The last blend is those that are hungry and passionate and also humble. Those guys are the accidental mess makers. Okay, so you probably can think of a few of those in your family or people that you work with. This person's motives are good, but they are so relationally challenged that they end up creating a lot of problems, hurt feelings, communication breakdowns, and dropped balls. Okay, so those, those are the blends, and you don't want to be a blend either. But if you mix all of those together, they work together in harmony, and they bring about the most valuable player that you can possibly be. So for us, what we have to do is we have to identify where we are in life and be honest with ourselves as far as where do we fall? 
man, are, are we just humble? I mean, are, I mean, we don't want to be known as the pawn, right? We don't, want to be, we don't want to be known as somebody that's just minimally helpful. We don't want to be that charmer person that's just relationally intelligent that people like, but they don't get anything done and people feel used if you do. And we don't want to just be hungry and passionate and be the bulldozer that just, just, just totally tears people apart. The only way that we can know exactly where we're at, where we're at is by asking God and asking others to give, give us those honest evaluations of where we are and peel that veil of unself-awareness off. Because this is the thing, as you were listening to this message, you could probably think of all kinds of bulldozers in your life. You could think of all kinds of charmers, all kinds of uh, accidental mess makers, all kinds of slackers. I mean, right, right? We always think of somebody else, but where are you? Where are you? I have slid back and forth in my life from an accidental mess maker to the, uh, the, uh, the playful, uh, what's the one that's the, the, the slacker? Lovable slacker. I'm always a lovable slacker the week before vacation. Struggle with that. Staff knows it. They see me. My mind is somewhere else. And I just, I just want to play. Okay, what are you guys doing? Hey, let me see that golf club. I'll hit this basketball down the hallway. Yeah, that's cool. What else is going on? So awesome. I don't want to do any work. Right? So the lovable slacker. I, I've, I've been that. I've been the accidental mess maker. Where I've let my people skills go down. And here's the thing with your people skills, guys. Not only do you ask God for help in that, but get resources. There are awesome books and resources out there that can help you with your relational intelligence. We give out here uh, on our staff, if you come on our staff, we have you uh, read John Maxwell's Becoming a People Person. That's just mandatory reading. There are great self-help books out there to help you with your relational intelligence. We just have to figure out where we are. So this is how we're going to end the service today. And I'm not going to even have music or anything like that because I want, it to, I want us to be okay with it being quiet. I want us to be okay with us allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us when everything is silent. Because in this world, it's hard to find that silent place. And when we find it, usually we're a little uncomfortable with it. But we need to hear God's voice and we need to hear exactly where he has us and where he wants to bring us. So bow your heads with me and let's just ask him to reveal to us what we need work in. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill us up to overflowing right now. And we pray, Lord God, that you would just give us your wisdom and that you would begin to speak to us what we need to fix in our own lives so that we can be the most effective that we can possibly be. We can be that, that most valuable player, that ideal team player. So I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would speak to us. Give us what we need, and we're gonna listen. For some of us he spoke, we're too prideful. We are not humble. To some of us, he's saying, you need to increase your relational intelligence. You're hurting people's feelings. You're annoying people. You'll never have influence because you won't work on this, so you need to work on your relational intelligence. 
And for others, he's saying, I want you to work on your hunger and passion. You used to have more hunger and passion for me. You used to have more hunger and passion for what you do. And with every head head bowed and eye closed right now, I wonder how many of you would just be honest with me and yourself and say, I'm just not passionate for my job anymore. In fact, I'm kind of just lacking passion for my life. If that's you, just raise your hand so we can pray for you. That's what I thought, just like the first service. So Lord God, for those that have raised their hands right now, that you would miraculously infuse passion in them, ignite a fire in them again for what they do, for their job, for their schooling, for their family, for their spouse, whatever it is that is lacking in their life as far as passion is concerned, Lord, that you would fix that, that you'd fill them up to overflowing, that you would ignite in them again something that was on fire once but has gone out. Lord, fix us. Help us to be the best that we can possibly be for you. Bless our families. Bless our workspace. Bless our schooling. Bless our businesses. And help us, Lord, to be able to help others get this same message. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Labor Day. And go Broncos. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.